Good morning, Flagler. The doctors are in. I'm Dr. Scott Cleos. And I'm Dr. Andrea Cleos. And we are here once again to talk about your health and health issues right here in Flagler, Volusia, and St. John's County. We got a really special show for you guys today. We're all excited because our daughter Juliana is joining us. Hi, Juliana. Hello. Yep, all the way from Tallahassee. Uh, she just got a new dog. Uh, cute as a button. Can't believe how awesome that little thing is. It's a big mistake. I've told her multiple times that she was making a mistake getting a dog at this stage of her life. But his name is Biggie Paws. For those Biggie of you, Ray Paws. Well, I was going to give the rest of it. Oh, but, okay. okay. Uh, but I was, Biggie Paws, uh, after Biggie Smalls, who was the rapper, you know, in an epic battle with uh, Tupac. But so he's Biggie Paws, and he's just these big. He's only how old is he now, Joel? Two months. He's eleven weeks. So. He's 11 weeks. Oh, so, so he's almost three months. He's almost three months so on Wednesday. Got, and he's got these gigantic paws. So that's why he's appropriately named Biggie Paws. And he was born on November 8th, which we know, because you guys listen to The Doctors Are In, is that's the day that x-rays were discovered in 1895. So his middle name is Ray. So it's Biggie Ray Paws. We love Biggie Ray. Everyone loves Biggie Ray except Sparta, our dog. Well, we don't know that. Sparta was sharing food with them today, and there was no not vi- not voluntarily. <laughs> no, but but we, he did. I wouldn't call that sharing. Have, well, he didn't bark I mean, or have reaction. So we're going to keep praying. The dynamics is good. Juliana, as, as Juliana goes. prevented an epic battle because she held Biggie while Sparta sure. ate. So we didn't give him a chance to be close. Right, together. we didn't give him a chance because we know Sparta is the master of the house. Right. So we want to talk about Juliana is possibly pursuing a career in medicine, following in mom and dad's footsteps, and we're all excited for her, you know, desire. Uh, Hopefully, she's going to still be enthusiastic after she goes through this process, but she's working in a clinic over in Tallahassee, which I think is really interesting. It's a balance disorders clinic, right? Jules? Balance disorders. And it's with Dr. Maitland. Uh, from Tallahassee, who the guy is as old as Methuselah. What is he, like 150 <laughs> years old now? No, he's, he's 80. He's about to be 81 uh, just in a few days here. Okay. But he, you see patients. What kind of patients do you see in this clinic? So, so since it's a balance disorders clinic, um, he's a neuro-ophthalmologist, which there are not too many left um, actually anywhere. I think he's, he's one of a few Maybe, I don't know. I don't know the exact number, Um, but there's not too many left and people travel from all over to see him. Um, And for the most part, we see patients that have um, inner ear dysfunction. So we see vertigo patients. We see um, Parkinson's patients because um, I don't know how much you guys have talked about Parkinson's on here, but a lot of them do have balance disorders. Um, and we work with them. We work with, um, so he's, he's a neuro-ophthalmologist. So we, we also see a lot of ocular cases. Um, so a lot of people coming in with diplopia, which is the double vision. Um, we see stroke patients. We see a, kind of an array of different patients. Um, and we have actual testing devices to further on and test, um, you know, where the inner ear dysfunction is, um, so it, it's very interesting. We see a lot of we see a lot of different people. Um, mostly older. We see a few younger patients, but those are are few. Um, he's actually certified as a child neurologist as well. Um, like I said, he's he's eighty eighty one um, and still practicing. So he actually graduated from medical school, Dad. I think when you were born, nineteen sixty four. Yep. Wow. <laughs> so you got got to remember. Um, I went when I was in medical school. I went to. Uh, medical school thinking I was going to be an ophthalmologist. And and nobody knew that, you know, but I went to ophthalmology. I went to 
I, I was in my clinical rotations. I did an ophthalmology rotation, and the doctor I was working with was a jerk. So I said, I'm not doing ophthalmology. But at the time, uh, we had, uh, Andrew and I had an awesome uh, neurologist, uh, Dr. Pellegrino. Do you remember Dr. Tom Pellegrino? That's when I started thinking I need to do neurology. So this guy was so engaging, so interesting. And so I said, I'm going to do neurology. And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking about pediatric neurology because I like pediatrics. And my advisor, who was a pediatric neurologist, took me out to lunch one day, you know, asked me what I liked in medicine. And uh, he's the one told me I was going into the wrong field because I liked anatomy. I liked doing procedures. That's how I ended up as an interventional radiologist. So I really thank my advisor for pushing me in that direction. But you got to remember, before, when, when Dr. Maitland and Dr. Pellegrino trained, there was no good way to look at the brain directly. Okay, So these guys were awesome. Be, based on a, a neurologic, a thorough neurologic examination, which you don't see anymore, <clears throat> these guys were able to tell you exactly <clears throat> excuse me, where the deficit was in the brain. And it was fascinating to me because when I trained, Dr. Pellegrino, we'd go on rounds with him. He would do a complete uh, neurophysical exam. And at the completion, he would say, okay, this guy's deficit is this, this, and this. He's got a lesion in this area of his brain. And back then, the CT scanners took so long to acquire that you couldn't get it the same day. It usually was three or four days later. We'd finally get the CT, and right where he said the deficit was, 100% of the time is where he, that patient had, a, had an abnormality. And I'm like, this is amazing. And unfortunately, you know, because of the advent of some of our advanced diagnostic imaging, even more so when Dr. Maitland was in training, because we didn't have CT, MRI, or any of that stuff. It was all based on physical exam. These guys really knew how to, you know, evaluate these patients and come up with a diagnosis. And it's fascinating. So, you know, it's a double-edged sword with our imaging because now we can just image them directly, find out where the lesion is. And that is a lost art, in my opinion. Most neurologists aren't going to do that complete neurologic physical examination because the answer is going to be on the MRI or the CT. So Dr. Maitland is old school and Juliana's experience I think has been invaluable because like you said, Jules, there's not many of these guys left. So, you know, if you have the opportunity to actually work under someone like that, it's fantastic. So we actually have about 635 neuro-ophthalmologists in the United States. Mostly are men um, and several of them are, are have another secondary degree in actually have a PhD, which is very, very interesting. And and it's true. I, I think I learned more diagnostic skills when I was in neurology. The art of physical exam is really held by some senior cardiologists and some senior neurologists because it's in those two fields that if you really understand how to listen to the heart, you can really predict and understand or even decide on the diagnoses. And the same thing with neurology, but the art of physical exam has been diminished by uh, radiology. And what's dangerous hey, now? Hey, hey, careful, careful. Well, don't be, it's don't the, be the radiology. My specialty. Yeah, that it's not the radiologist issue, but but the advent Heck, no, of these the amazing, amazing devices that have been, you know, helping us decide on where lesions are, the issues. The problem is, is that a lot of people get radiation exposure when it's not necessary because of the lack of the skill of the physical exam. So by her training under somebody who's teaching her physical diagnostic skills that actually are also treatments, and maybe she can talk to us about some of the treatments that she does in the clinic there, this 
will prevent multiple scans and unnecessary scans. Now, sometimes we have to do scans to rule out very advanced disease like MS in neuropathology. But um, anyway, so it would be great to see some of the physical exam skills you use and how you use that to make a treatment. Mm -hmm. So I am an MA and scribe there, um, and sometimes even a personal assistant. So an MA is a medical assistant. um, So I'll take the patient back, uh, get vitals. So that's blood pressure, that's temperature, weight, height, you know, all those things. Um, and then kind of asked about the history and what's going on. Um, and then I can also scribe, which I'll go into the room with Dr. Maitland um, and pretty much write down everything that he is doing and every test that he is, is um, doing. I'll, I'll write it down and write the outcome of it. Which, um, is, which, by the way, is awesome because Juliana is actually getting the you know, skill set to organize her thoughts and do a presentation or record something in the medical record. Because now with the advent of the, you know, e-record, the electronic record, most of these students don't go through that process. And I think, again, it's a lost um, skill, lost art, because now everything is digital and you just click buttons and it's mindless. So I, I'm so happy that she has this opportunity. But go ahead, continue. So. Yeah, so, so like my dad was saying, everything um, in the clinic is very old school. So everything is paper. We actually have paper charts, paper prescriptions. Which is really against the law now. It is. Yeah, I think it is illegal. Um, so I think since 2018. Well, it's not, it's not completely illegal, but it is. To accept they the ha- prescription. They ha- but what they do is they penalize you fiscally. Right. If you haven't converted to some kind of electronic medical record, you get less reimbursement from Medicare and Medicaid from CMS. So they were trying to force you into an electronic medical record. It, it became an incentive beginning to encourage people to do it. Now it's a penalty. So. so what's interesting about this, in the past, we would be able to see about 30 to 40 patients in a day. At best now, with the electronic medical record, most doctors see anywhere from 8 to 12. So if you imagine... Not, not in private practice. They're still seeing a lot. Uh, there's not still... If you look at the majority of private practice and what they're seeing, it's still... It's they not try 8 to, pump to 12. Out. Because but I'll it's tell also you why. not 40. I'll tell you why. Because they're all pushed by whoever they're employed by for to see as many. And that's why you, when you go to your doctor, you got 10 minutes and they're kicking your butt out the door. Right, that's but, why medicine is... It's our government's fault that medicine is deteriorating. It, because, because they push it, this on everybody. And, and the reality is you cannot open your private practice anymore. No. The demands that they have on HIPAA and the demands that they have on these electronic medical records really compromise. You You, you can't see the 40 that you used to see. And no. some, some well, specialists can. could you, actually you see 60. You can, you, you can read films all day long and if you don't look at the images, you can read a whole bunch of them. And you, you just know, don't give a just, good accurate you diagnosis. Don't, you don't care and, and you, that's what's happening. So we, we've elected a bunch of idiots to, to rule us and so, this is what we got. Well, and in patients, it sounds wonderful to have a, you know a free healthcare system it's not free and the system itself is taking a toll as many of you have recognized that you're not getting the kind of quality care in your office where your physician really sat and listened to you because it takes a long time to finish a note because you've got to answer all these questions. But I don't want to take away from Juliana Yeah, we're, we're getting off on a tangent. I don't want to detract because we want Juliana to tell us about her experience because it's so interesting. But we're going to take a quick break. So this is a little teaser to come back and visit us and hear Juliana's story about how she's, you know, becoming an awesome doctor already before <laughs> she's in even in medical school under the tutelage of Dr. Maitland. So if you have any questions, 
questions for myself, Dr. Andrea, Miss Juliana, you can email us at the doctors and D-O-C-T-O-R-I-S-I-N at WNZF.com. You're listening to the Doctors In on WNZF News Radio, 1550 AM, 94.9 FM. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Radiology Associates has been a trusted name in Volusia, Flagler, and St. John's County for over 50 years. Radiology Associates is the first and only radiology provider to bring our neighbors of Flagler County 3 Tesla MRI, 64 Slice CT, and Time of Flight PET CT in our Palm Coast Imaging and Town Center Imaging locations. This is our community. Our doctors live here and strive to provide only the best care to you, our neighbors. For more information about Radiology Associates, visit us online at radiologyassociatesimaging.com. And we're back. For those of you just joining us, we are so excited to have our wonderful little girl, Juliana. Not so little anymore. She's 21. She's back from Tallahassee. She's joining us on the show today, and she's doing an awesome job. Juliana's always been great with public presentations. When she was little, I used to make her do um, videos. I make the whole family do videos, mom and and me and Juliana and Stevie. And Stevie would always go under duress. It was always, I had to listen to him complain about it all the way over there. Juliana enthusiastically learned her lines. I've actually recorded some for posterity. She was talking about the foramen magnum. She was talking about the, you know, what comes through the foramen magnum, uh, which is the brainstem. And she goes, this is where all the neuronal, you know, she went to say neuronal, and she goes, This is where all the neuronal, and she stops and she just busts out and laughed. That was because it was called the Great Hole. Well, no, it's because she said neuronal. <laughs> the neuronal. And then she that starts laughing. So I love it because I've got it all on recorded now. But uh, but anyway, but it's kind of a, you know, it was a, it was a harbinger of things to come because. You know, we knew that Juliana was going to be interested in this kind of stuff. But go ahead, Jules. Tell us about some of the interesting patients you see in the well, clinic. The exam and yeah. Let her go. Let her <laughs> okay. go. She's got this. She's got okay. this. Um, so, kind of what I was talking about before. We see an array of different patients. Um, we see a lot of ocular case- cases. We also see um, a lot of vestibular cases. So that's balance disorders. Anything with your inner ear. Um, which talking more about that, you have the outer ear, the middle ear, and then you have the inner ear. And you know. Mostly balance disorders hearing, that's more inner ear. Um, The outer ear is kind of what you see. Um, The middle ear, you have the eustachian tube, and then you have three bones um, that kind of help with... with conduction, the vibration, right? right. Okay, um, and then it kind it's of the taps mechanical on. part of hearing. So you got a, right. a, a you got a neurologic and a mechanical. So and it taps on that oval window, which kind of projects sound um, into the cochlea, and awesome. um, <laughs> and that's kind of how, exactly right. how transduction of sound. Um, so how sound vibrations and and how you uh, hear sound and, and interpret it. Um, so going off of that, we see an incredible amount of patients um, a day. I kind of going back to what my mom was saying, we actually still see a good amount. Um, but I think that is why, because we kind of have everything on paper. So we, it doesn't take as long. He also has people, you know, to do everything for him. He does. He's got <laughs> so, a bunch of people that at his beck and call that write stuff down, right? Yeah. the orders, everything. So. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, and he'll tell us, he'll be like, that's not how you do it. And I'm like, Dr. Malin, it's 2024, this is how you do it now. <laughs> like, I know you probably don't remember this. Um, <laughs> no, he, he's an amazing physician. Um, but so nonetheless, talking about kind of more of the, the background and, and what we do. Um, so the, we'll have patients come in and he'll do a neurologic exam and he'll actually look at me and be like, okay, where was the stroke? What happened? <laughs> uh, right in front of the patient. He also had, had uh, de- a diplopia patient came in. So he had um, a patient that had horizontal double vision. If you covered one eye, it went away. Um, and it was only seen at a distance. And he said, what's wrong? <laughs> I was like, <"That's>, what? <laughs> Am I supposed to know that? And he was like, just think about it. What's wrong? And made me think about it. And he think, made me think about, you know, what ocular muscle would be affected there. Um, and then kind of narrowed it down to a six nerve palsy, um, which was very interesting to see, but he'll, he'll do that all the time. He'll turn, turn around, quiz you right in front of patients. Um, and you just kind of, that's the way you learn. Yeah. You, you gotta train. be right. That's how we train. How we train. But yeah, that's, you know, they actually have an act. It used to be called LR6 SO4. Four, three, yeah. and that's how you would remember that because exactly. lateral rectus six. It's a superior ocular, or I can't remember the La- lateral L R six S O superior oblique. Yo, superior oblique is four, and then the rest of them are three. So those are the cranial nerves. Okay, jinx. Yeah, jinx. Yep. Okay. So the cranial nerves you have twelve of them, and that's kind of what we were talking about. So. Okay, so we see patients that have had uh, vertigo and and certain things like that for the past like 30 years, and they'll come in and they'll see Dr. Maitland, um, and it's almost a sign of relief because we have um, actually simple maneuvers that we can do to kind of help people. Um, One of them is an an epile maneuver, and we have a log roll. Um, I know a lot of you might have heard of an epile. That's kind of a common one. A log roll is something a little bit different, Um, and when you have vertigo, the most important thing is to find out what what canal it's in. Okay. So you have, se- you have three semicircular canals in your inner ear um, and they, they kind of get blocked. And when they get blocked, you get this thing called vertigo. Um, and a lot of people will come in and say, I'm dizzy, I'm dizzy, I'm dizzy. Um, but when you ask them, is it vertigo or is it dizziness? And there's a big difference when you're going and talking to a physician, which one is which, because vertigo is actually the sensation of the room spinning around you. Um, so if you're sitting there, the room looks like it is spinning. Um, so that is vertigo. If you do not have that, then that's kind of generalized dizziness, um, which obviously is something else. um, But our specialty is more of like the vertigo side. Um, So once we figure out that it is vertigo, then we'll put you on a balance test um, and we'll kind of put you through a series. And the vertigo affects which part of of that? Is it the semicircular canals or is it the otoliths or where is that vertigo versus dizziness? Which one is it? So vertigo is kind of when it is is then the semicircular canals. Okay. So, so right. So that's when the kind of when they talk about crystals um, in your inner ear. That's kind of when the crystals are getting kind of clogged up in in the in um, the semicircular in canals. the semicircular oh, canals. Okay. And what the Epley maneuver does and what the log rule does is it's. There's no medication. There's nothing like that. For those of you who do, who do not know what an epile maneuver is, you kind of just move your body in a way that actually moves those crystals out of um, where they are and kind of p- pushes them through those semicircular canals. Um, so you, you lean back. Um, you kind of shake your head a little bit, and you, you lean to one side or the other. Um, and it, it's a very simple – it's almost childlike to think about it because it's, it's it seems almost like – 
too basic. Too basic, yeah, right? Like to you're make just that stuff move. <laughs> exactly. Right. You're just you're just putting your body in a position uh, to kind of move those crystals. Well, the guy around, that mom very, and I go to actually. Uh, he supplements uh, that. Dr. Maitland did. <laughs> yeah, supplements that with a uh, little vibrator device. So on, on the temporal bone, as he's doing these Epley maneuvers, they're putting this little vibrator, you know, uh, like massage gun on the temporal bone to help move those crystals. So I don't know if that helps or not. Right. But no, that's good. Um, so what we do, because we don't have the fancy thing like that, we just shake their head. Um, <laughs> like shaking baby syndrome. We just shake head, exactly. So they either get better or they just get brain damage. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. No. Um, no. Uh, that, the, the original Epley is to shake their head, but if you have the the special device, then that works too. Um, we don't. <laughs> so we we do it the old school way, uh, which is very interesting. Actually, going back to the old school way, he actually worked in one of the. Dr. Maitland actually worked in one of the the last insane asylums, um, and he was actually working before the Heimlich maneuver was invented. So he would tell us stories, and he'd be saying that you know someone someone was choking, so I threw him on the ground, and I jumped on top of him, and I started hitting their back, and I was like, Dr. Maitland, why? <laughs> He's like, Well, the Epley maneuver wasn't. Inv- I mean, the, sorry, the Heimlich. the Heimlich maneuver wasn't invented then, and I was like, Oh my god, yeah. Like, yeah. That's crazy. Well, the insane asylums, they, they, <laughs> I was like, wow. In the insane asylums, they <laughs> also awesome. used to do the frontal lobotomies right there. Right. Yeah, they used and to just, you know, poke right through the superior orbital roof, and the guy would take a little pin, stick it up into your brain, and basically, you know, scramble your frontal lobes. That's yeah. how they used to do that. And he, personality. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and he had a story where there was, uh, I think there were, second or third year med students in the women's um, psych psych ward. Um, and these med students were coming in here to do a gynecological exam. Um, and he looked at them and he said, do you guys know where you are? And they were like, yeah, we're in the women's psych ward. Um, and he was like, you're going to try to do a gynecological exam on a schizophrenic woman? Um, and he, they were like, yep. And I guess their attending was, she was kind of snippety and was like, yep, this is what we're doing. And he said, I'm going to sit here and watch just for a second to see what happens. <laughs> just for the entertainment. <laughs> entertainment. He said the last thing he saw was four of the med students holding down this poor lady and them trying to do a gynecological exam. She had no idea where she was. I mean, she's schizophrenic. She had no idea where oh, she was. Horrible. Um, and he told, he told me that in this, in this psych ward, um, he actually, he was like one of the only uh, medical doctors that he ever saw there. He said there were there was never any physicians there, nurses, nothing. He said there were kind of these caretakers, and they kept exquisite care of these people. I mean, their nails were clipped. They were always in dresses. They looked amazing. But he said there was never any physician there. And actually, one of the first charts he picked up was a woman that was... Um, put in in 19 she was admitted in in the 1920s on her wedding day she got married she looked at her husband and she said oops i heard a voice in my head or she said oh dear i heard a voice in my head i hope i'm not going crazy they admitted her right there on her wedding day took her in she was seen once in between 1920 and the 1960s she was seen one time um and then now dr maitland was seeing her in the 1960s and he she saw her story and they wheeled in this this little eighty year old woman um, that was just pretty That's much horrible. crazy because she was in this psych ward and she she had no there was nothing wrong with her. Um, and they just kept her prisoner there for exactly. forty years, huh? yeah. or yeah. sixty years, whatever it was. Right, and and all those programs were state funded. Right. So whenever they decided that 
that it wasn't a you know good idea to to keep these insane asylums open. Um, they kind of just release them into the general public, right? Isn't now that? they're now they're in Congress and they're in uh, oh, okay. and they're the Senate. <laughs> That's where they released yeah, them all, to. That's why we're going down the tube so fast. <laughs> no, they actually released them. It's sad. I they think one of them is actually the president country. right now. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah. What does Dr. <laughs> what does Dr. Maitland think about that? So, does he recognize the senility in that guy? Yeah, so, so what else do what you? So what, what happens <laughs> when you have patients that actually have um, situations with vestibular vertigo? Do you do you want to do anything for those patients, or have you not talked about what do you do for those kind of patients? So vestibular vertigo, maybe you can explain. Yeah. So I mean, the vestibular vertigo. If it's vertigo, we kind of rule out a few things with the tests that we do. We do um, a balance test and then we also, so it's an EMG, EMG and a um, posturography. The posturography, our posturography machine is actually down right now. Um, so we're only doing ENG, but kind of what that tells is you do hull pikes and certain things like that. Um, and going back to telling what canal it's in, um, they'll give you some numbers and you kind of look at those numbers and if they're positive or negative, or you can look at the hull pikes. And if you st- see the nystagmas in their eyes, which is um, nystagmas are kind of when you see a person's eyes beating back and forth, you can have upbeat nystagmas, which is the eye is going up and down very quickly, or the you know regular nystagmas are just the side to sides, yeah. the lateral nystagmas. Um, so after we learn that, then we usually send them off to the balance and therapist. And the nystagmus is basically tells you kind of which are the, either the horizontal canals or the vertical canal, right? So, exactly. So if it's if your eyes are bouncing up and down, so. Then you say, okay, this is the this is the semicircular canal in the Z plane or whatever. So it's so amazing how these things are interconnected. You know, your eyes, your ears, all this balance stuff, and how we orient ourselves in space. And when things go wrong, how devastating it can be. Right. So, so actually, a test that you guys can do at home um, if you have had this issue because it, it actually affects a surprising amount of people. Um, so one of the tests you can do is actually called a Quicks maneuver, um, and it actually was it wasn't very popular and I think it was starting to come back more recently, I want to say. Um, but what it is, is you, you line up your fingers with, with someone else that's standing, um, across from you and you point your fingers at them and they'll point their fingers and line them up with yours. You close your eyes, you keep your legs actually, um, kind of straight down. You don't have to put them together or anything. You can, you can keep them, uh, with aligned with your shoulders. Um, and you point your fingers at the other person and you close your eyes Touching you, their fingertips. You, you can. Yeah, okay. you can touch the fingertips. Um, and you, you raise your arms up to the ceiling. Um, and you, you hold them there for 10 seconds. And then you bring them back down. And that other person is supposed to keep their fingers where you originally were. Now, when you open your eyes... You're supposed you, to bring them back down to where you think in your mind they're spo- they started, right? Right. So a, a quick tip on that is that your body actually can't tell up and down. Um, it's only right to left. So if you have um, vertigo or any issues like that, um, you'll kind of see it lateralized to one side or the other. Um, so that's kind of when you bring them back down. And if they're not aligned, it doesn't matter if they're too high or too low. That does not matter. Um, but if they're more to the right or more to the left, then oh, you usually... I didn't know that. Yeah, so then you usually I have... I thought you were testing proprioception just to know where things were in space. So the the height relative to the other person's fingers isn't doesn't matter. It's nope. left or right. Your body can't Did actually tell that. that. Yeah. Mm. 
Look how much I learn on this show. <laughs> yeah, so it, it's more to the right or to the left. Another one is Romberg. Um, Romberg is when you stand with your feet close together. You, you uh, kind of touch them in the middle, um, and then you just close your eyes for 10 seconds. I would recommend doing that with someone. Don't do that alone. Um, usually vestibular cases, you won't fall. Um, actually, I don't think any vestibular cases a patient will fall. Um, but if it is something other than that, then you can fall. Um, so be aware of that. Be, be around someone that can kind of help you with that, but you just close your eyes and stand there for 10 seconds. Um, and if you're super wobbly, then that's a positive Romberg and, um, you know, come see us in Tallahassee. (laughs) (laughs) Jules, that was awesome. Um, I, I'm sad you're not here more frequently so that we can actually do another show. But, uh, um, when she comes back in town again, we're going to have her back on the show. She can kind of save up some of her patients and tell us what, uh, what she saw anonymously mm-hmm. yeah, uh, and so, let us know how Dr. Maitland's doing if, yeah. um, as he gets older and older over there. Yeah. He just got a knee surgery, so he's doing, he's doing all right. But. Yeah. He's recovering from that. But, uh, if you guys have any questions for myself, Dr. Andrew, of course, little Juliana, who's not so little anymore. You can email us at the doctors in DOC. T-O-R-I-S-I-N-W-N-Z-F dot com. As always, stay happy, stay healthy. We'll see you next time. The doctors are out. The Doctor is in radio show paid for by Radiology Associates.